We've got uh, our brother Brian Sessions this morning bringing us a word. Uh, Brian is a member here at the Garden Church. He also works in the school system, so you can be praying for Brian next week as he begins. Uh, he has a ministry called Camp Rock uh, that, that focuses on entertainment and the gospel. Uh, he just actually led our arts camp uh, this past summer here at the church, and, uh, and he's a good brother uh, and a good husband, good father. So let's welcome our brother. Brian Sessions. Jesus is good. Amen. How's everybody doing? I'm going to jump right into it. Let's uh, turn your Bibles. Let's stand. Turn your Bibles to. Uh, oh, that's not the sermon type. Okay. In the light. Uh, yeah, let's stand. Let's stand and uh, turn to Ezekiel 37. Don't turn to First John. Not this Sunday. Guess I might take that off the screen. Shout amen if you have. I'm, I'm, I grew up in it. You know. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, here we go. Let's go. The Valley of Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and, and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as, as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked and beheld there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. 
I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do what declares the Lord. Let us pray. The Heavenly Father. You can have a seat. Not, not the Heavenly Father. I'm talking about y'all. Y'all can have a seat. The Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, your word. It uh, guides us, it uh, leads us, it directs us. Um, thank you for your people, Lord. I pray that today um, your people wouldn't hear me, per se, but that they would hear you. And uh, pray that you would receive glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so today I want to I wanna paint a picture, right? Almost like if you visit the uh, apostolic palace where the, the Pope resides and go into the chapel, when you look up at the, the Sistine Chapel, uh, anybody ever visited the Sistine Chapel before, anybody? Okay, cool, 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 I haven't. So this is going off of imagination. So imagine you get the opportunity to visit this uh, these, these paintings on the ceiling of the chapel from the 1400s and you get to see and not only see but feel and experience what you had only heard before. So, so you gaze at it and it takes your breath away. You take it in and then you leave, right? A few days go by and you still feel what you felt when you experienced it couple weeks go by, maybe the feeling begins to fade, but you still have the memory of at least what you felt when you experienced it. Uh, uh, a few years go by, and the thought of the Sistine Chapel, this phenomenon, uh, this phenomenon no longer does anything for you. You've become desensitized to the thought of the Sistine Chapel. Today, I want to uh, uh, paint a picture similar to that. But it's actually, as a matter of fact, I want to paint a picture of the opposite, not something beautiful. I want to paint a picture of the reality of spiritual death. Because I believe um, some of us, we've experienced the state of being spiritually dead. We've taken it in. We've had our time with it. And then we were made alive. And after being made alive, we remember our former state. And are even reminded in God's word and on Sundays of the ills of being separated from God. But sometimes we need to be refreshed because we forget. And sometimes get desensitized, or should I say comfortable, and forget that we were once dead in sin, that we who were once dead in sin are now on mission, now that we're alive. So if I put a body near you, even if like my wife once was uh, uh, aspiring to be a mortician one day. If I put a body near you, the first time it would do something to you. It would uh, uh, do something fresh. But after a while, even if by a little, you will become desensitized to the reality of having a dead body in such close proximity to you. It is my goal today to do nothing more than to resensitize you to the reality of spiritual death. 
we as a whole, as a human race, not as individuals, but together, as a fallen race, have yet, having yet to be fully restored to his creator, has, have done some amazing things. We visited the moon, we've made discoveries, we've built Rome. By God's grace, we've built pyramids, created electronic devices, domesticated fire, mastered flight, froze moments in time in what's referred to as photography. We've replayed time in what's known as videography. We've created vaccines, reached the South Pole. We created the internet, created nuclear weapons, language, currency, reached Mount Everest, eradicated smallpox, created the internet, Mapped the human genome, created the wheel, television, the internet. We've done some beautiful things so you can see how easy as believers it is to be comfortable in a foreign land that comes with great accomplishments, rewards, culture, and a beautiful lifestyle. So it is my job today to remind you, to remind me, to remind us of our roles as believers in a foreign land. Ezekiel, some of you may know, uh, is the oddly chosen name of my cat, all right? I uh, was working an internship when I was in high school and I, I was on my way to internship. I had three supervisors, right? And you had to check in with them. I couldn't scan, I was an intern, I couldn't scan and I had to check in with them if I was late. So I'm walking, this is how I was walking just like this. And I meow, meow, little kitten, 10 years ago, up in the tree. The uh, owner had kicked it out. I got, got the cat, walked about four blocks back home, convinced my mom to let me keep it. Uh, at the time, I was reading the book of Ezekiel. It was being too deep, and decided to name my cat Ezekiel, right? <laughs> Later on, I changed the name to Kitty. I just kept it simple, right? But today we're not talking about that, Ezekiel. We're talking about a major prophet in the Old Testament. A young guy uprooted at the age of 25 from his homeland and exiled to, uh, exiled to Babylon. And Babylon is where God imparted to Ezekiel his word for his people. Ezekiel called for the Jews, returned to godliness and faithfulness after being scattered because of their wickedness. Ezekiel prophesied of God's promise to restore Israel as a nation, but not only that, he implored Israel to trust in God's promise and trust in God's means for bringing about that promise. His messengers, his uh, uh, repentance, but ultimately God's words. The Jews during this time were exceedingly sinful and hopeless. Their rebellion against God, as God had warned them in the Old Testament, uh, 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 would eventually cause them to be scattered throughout the earth. Not only that, but they were stiff-necked and stubborn, much like us. I don't want to focus so much on the division aspect of this vision as much as I want to focus on the fact that they were dead. In its original context, this vision is about physical Israel. Verse 14 says, uh, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. However, physical Israel is a type for spiritual Israel, including all those whom God has adopted unto himself through Christ. And that stems beyond Israel as a nation. Paul, when talking to the church in Ephesus, says in Ephesians chapter 2, remember that you were at 
that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So ultimately in Ezekiel, we see a vision of how God will raise up dead people from all parts of the earth and make them alive in Christ. So three points I want to make uh, to help refresh our hearts to the reality of the state of this world in light of God's word. So my focus here is on two things, but ultimately the latter. The fallen or dead state of humanity and the power of God's word. Point number one. God, in his word, has promised life to dry bones. God in his word has promised life to dry bones. Verse four and five read, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. As a type, these dry bones in Israel 37 represent a state of all God's people apart from God. And God throughout scripture is promising his people life. Listen to these scriptures that refer to the life God freely gives us when we are saved. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Romans 8.10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. John 5 and 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then he goes on to talk about the life God promises to give when he returns one day uh, uh, to those who are saved and have died a physical death. Uh, uh, same, same chapter, John 5, but we're going to drop down to verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, 3. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and, will the, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
Last but not least, Matthew 27, 52, the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Why would God do this? Is it because we've been so good? Do we deserve this? The answer is no. In fact, we deserve to stay dead. But because Jesus died for us and rose again, we don't have to. And because we don't have to, it brings Jesus glory. Jesus' death brings us life and him glory. Mark 13, 26 says the next time we see Jesus, we will see him coming in a, on a cloud in his glory. So the question is bad. How do dead people come to life? Point number two. God chooses to include human messengers in the fulfillment of this promise. Let me be very clear before I go any further. What I'm not saying is that it is us who wakes the dead. I'm not saying that, uh, 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 but God in his sovereignty allows us to have a part in him reaching the dead. We don't possess the ability to wake a dead soul, but we do have the ability to tell them about the one who does. God chose us. Christ died for us. After rising from the dead and before ascending to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit who wakes us up to life in Christ. God in his sovereignty and solely for his glory has designed it so that when we share the gospel with the spiritually dead, if God wills, the dead will come to life. And we have to uh, uh, be mindful um, that as part of this design, we have to be intentional in declaring the word of God. Yes, building relationships and showing kindness and love and good deeds are all part of that design, but none of this is worth anything without the declaration of God's life-giving word. The word of God is the breath of God into dead men. Some of you may say, well, people read the Bible and get saved and, and may haven't heard uh, someone share the gospel with them. To this, I say true. This is very true. But how in God's sovereignty did he choose to allow his word, the Bible, to reach men? Through the fingertips of mankind. Going back to the Ten Commandments, God, after writing them on tablets, gave them to the people through Moses. Here in this text, God didn't speak directly to the bones and, 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 and tell them come to life. He chose, and he could have very well done so, yet he decided to speak through Ezekiel. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 9, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Why? Because the word of the Lord precedes the breath of the Lord. Well, in other words, the word of the Lord is the breath of the Lord. In Vermont, how many people CPR certified? Nice, nice, nice. Could be a little bit more people, but it's all good. In Vermont, do you know you get penalized, you get fined, you get in trouble if you are CPR certified and you are witnessing someone dying and you don't step in? Vermont is the only state with Good Samaritan laws that exclude protection for choosing not to aid someone in need of CPR. How many times have you shaken hands with a loved one 
a beloved friend with a child and turned a blind eye to their spiritual state? Let me rephrase the question. How many times have you shaken hands with a dead person? The world is dead and is dying. Let me repeat, the world is dead and is dying. Many are spiritually dead and one day will be dead eternally. It is good and wise to make friends and build relationships for the sake of evangelism, but let us not get complacent because we uh, 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 feel like people need our friendships more than they need the word of God. You got a nice smile, you're a people's person and all that, but what's even better is the word of the Lord. Because after it, with God's sovereignty, if God wills, dead people come to life. Not simply after a good smile. I know we think that our smile and our great personalities opens people's eyes to their sinful state and their need of a savior, but it don't work like that. Not according to the word of God. The world is dying. Have we gotten comfortable with viewing and witnessing death? Are we actually befriending corpses and not doing anything about their state of being? How can we befriend, befriend corpses and, and work with them and our defibrillator is at home in our closet collecting dust? The thing about a defibrillator, it may not revive and bring everyone to life, but you won't know until you use it. Everybody won't be drawn to Christ. Everyone's eyes won't be open. But we won't know unless we're faithful in our proclamation. When's the last time you used your gospel defibrillation, defibrillator? Take a second out of your busy life one day just to look around. There are dead kids. It doesn't break your heart. Dead doctors, dead businessmen and women, dead homeless, happy, dead people. Wealthy corpses, mobile deceased. We live in a beautiful cemetery. As beautiful as this world is, let me give you the reality of a state. It's like your favorite food, prepared by the best chef, with maggots and worms crawling out of it. The clock is running out. What are we doing with our time? First 48, show with the homicide detectives. I can literally watch a whole season in one sitting. But I have to check myself sometimes. Why am I so okay witnessing God's precious creation out of order? Do we ever get to the point where we're okay witnessing people spiritually out of order? They got mad at Sheila Dixon for concealing gift cards for herself, for her family. How much more should we caution those who are selfishly concealing the gift of life? Relationships, programs, gestures, actions, ministries void of the word of God produce goodness, yet not life. The word of God should be present in whatever ministry you have, if it is to be a ministry. Proclamation of the word of God. Whatever you, whenever you are uh, uh, meeting up with friends, whether it's a ladies' night, whatever it is, if you consider it a ministry or an outworking of evangelism, it should be intentional. If not, it loses its saltiness quick. The word of the Lord should be present and application. 
Hey, let us read this for a second. Uh, 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 let us do this. Let me, let me, let me, let me help uh, hear this for a second. And after all the discussions and, and, and all the time set aside for listening, there should be a time designated that is made known that the word of the Lord will be proclaimed. Get connected with someone or a group of people who are doing ministry. Uh, see, see what's going on here at the garden. It's simple. As Christians, we set out to live simple lives for the sake of an extraordinary God. God is glorified when people see extraordinary things come through ordinary means, such as ordinary people or prayer. Prayer is so supernatural, but it's as simple as talking to God. Taking somebody out to lunch or dinner, simple. If God wills, the dead will come to life. And get this, we don't know who he wills. So we should just be going around slapping everybody without gospel defibrillators. Clear! Clear. Oh, you was already alive, my fault. Clear! Just slapping everybody. I googled desensitized, and guess what popped up as a synonym? Synonym, inactive. Inactive. Final point, verse three. Start at verse twelve. Therefore, prophesy and say to them: Thus says the Lord God: Behold, I will I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves. And, and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. My third point, my final point is, ultimately, God raises the dead. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are fellow workers. Uh, you are God's field, God's building. Paul spoke these words to the church in Corinth after they were bickering over the presentation style of God's word. Paul, Paulus. Paul didn't take it personal uh, as to their thoughts on him. Ultimately, Paul knew it wasn't up to his presentation style. All he was called to do was to remain faithful in his proclamation. God ultimately grows the unbeliever. For us, this is good news. This is encouragement and motivation to remain faithful in our proclamation. Because if the truth be told, some of us eat, live, and work with dead people. Some of us are family with dead people. Some of us are in love with dead people. Realize, my brothers and sisters, that that's how God sees it. God's intention for man wasn't death, it was life. Death came as a result of sin. But God, being a God of love, a God of life, sent Christ to bring life to dead people. Sin should break the hearts of the redeemed, those who are made alive. Uh, would our lives testify that we are uh, uh, desensitized to the state of this world? If so, I fear it's because we subconsciously believe we hold the power to bring souls to life when we feel like it. Are we so prideful to think that we are the defibrillators? Friends, we are not the defibrillators. We don't have a problem acknowledging uh, uh, and calling uh, 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 God the doctor. 
We know that. We know Jesus is, is, is the doctor. Uh, it is Jesus who is in, in charge. Yet we take our precious time and gospel relationships we've built as if we have the power to bring the dead to life. Sometimes we take our precious time as if, we, as, as if when we want or at the snap of our finger, people will wake up and see the beauty of the gospel. Realize I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I literally was on my phone Saturday morning on my way to the gym, and it's dawned on, dawned on me, no pun intended, it's dawned on me, and I'm just on my voice recorder. All of this is just my scripture and, and me on my voice recorder, talking to myself. We're not the defibrillators. We're the ones on the table. We're the ones uh, 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 being rushed into the ER on gurneys and placed on the table, DOA. But here comes the head doctor, the father who sees our spiritual data, uh, state and, and diagnoses us as DOA and takes his defibrillators, his word, his son, the word that became flesh, Jesus the Christ, and applies it to our chest and gives our heart a jump start. Now it is us, up to us after experiencing spiritual death and being healed and brought to spiritual life, and after being reminded of the symptoms when we open our Bibles or when we talk to our believers or when we come to church, it is up to us to introduce others to the power of the doctor's defibrillator. Where is your gospel defibrillator? Is it still in this box from when you first received? Or is it cooling down because it's just been used? When we attempted to seek vainglory in ministry, as the temptation will exalt itself, this urges us to tell ourselves, sit down somewhere, you ain't the doctor. You were the one on the table and sometimes still need surgery. Like Matt Chandler said, I can't talk like I was about to try to talk like, when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to the heroes in the Bible, we love to make ourselves them. I'm the Moses of my generation. I, I'm David. We're not like them. We're not, we're not them. We're not the heroes in the story. We're not David. We're the ones cowering in the corner afraid of Goliath. Like cowards. We're, we're not Moses. We're the ones rebelling like stubborn Israel. We're not Joseph. Uh, we're the brothers who tried to kill him. Uh, uh, Jesus is the David. Jesus is Moses. Jesus is the Joseph of our story. We were once dead in sin. So with this perspective, uh, with this urgency to point people to the doctor, how fleeting then is fame? Selfish ambition, petty goals, petty quarrels, minor differences, race. I was on my way to the gym, as I told you, and I was talking to God, and, 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 and I'm, I'm not being deep. Sometimes, I understand, it's in the Bible, sometimes when we say Holy Spirit, people cringe as if we're being deep. Like, is he not a part of the the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart and open my eyes as the, only as the Holy Spirit does. And an awakening began to take place. I began to pray and ask God to save this dying world, to, resens to resensitize us as believers to the reality of death. A spiritual death, that is. The state of this world. Sensitize us as believers to the point where we become so peculiar that when we see things like trees... We are reminded that there once was a tree in the garden that brought death to this world. 
that caused some of the same problems we see today. Pride, lust of life, you name it. But let us also be reminded that there too in that garden was a tree of life. And that Christ is our tree of life. And all who eat of its fruit are made alive. And a promise that one day when we drop this mortal body, we will experience a new heaven and a new earth, rid of the stench of death and filled with the aroma of life. Most importantly, when we see people, let us be reminded, people as, a, as people as a race, that we were once in a state of pure bliss with our creator. The first two people, Adam and Eve, fell exactly how we fall today. And it separated people, us, like you and I, from God. And God is not a person in the same way we are, but is a spirit. Holy, just, righteous, three in one. Loves us so much that he sent Christ in the form of a person much like us. And this person was his only son, an innocent man, a far better person than you or I could ever be. And he came to reconcile people. He lived and died a death that people, like you and I, deserve. And he completed his mission, reconciling us back to our creator. And one day he's coming back with an iron fist to pass out eternal death to people who continue to rebel and deny him as a savior. But for people who believe, who were once dead and brought back to life, we would know him as savior. It's like an oven or a stove. Right now, the flame is turned down in, in, in this cold house. You, you still uh, feel the air and you can sense that something's not right. But once that house catches fire and that flame is turned all the way up, that's all you see and all you feel. By God's grace, uh, uh, this human race gets to experience life as did people. Though we are born separated from God, praise God that we were born, that flame is the reality of the fallen state of mankind. We see uh, 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 small and sometimes large flickers in a form of sin and brokenness, even physical death, but one day it will be felt in its entirety by those who choose death instead of life. So my prayer is that you wouldn't have to experience, see, feel, taste death in its fullness. By the grace of God, we, we are able to wake up, we take our first breath, uh, 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 we, we, we witness marriage, our first kid, uh, a school, fun. But this means nothing if we've been offered the opportunity to experience life in its fullness and haven't accepted. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, I pray that uh, your people will be encouraged to trust you uh, um, in their, in their uh, efforts, dear Heavenly Father. And I pray that um, we would see your creation um, how you view it, Lord God. I pray that our hearts uh, uh, will burn as, as, as yours burns for your creation, Lord God. Uh, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.